Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Erica and I will be talking about making the most of Aquarius season. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're your hosts, the Mystic Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the King of Swords, and the theme of this card is intellectual authority. So this card represents a person who is very wise intellectually. And then if you look at the picture in the Rider Waite Smith version of this card, the sword he is holding is at an angle, which tells me that the rules are not so important for this king because wisdom is somewhat circumstantial. So there's a little bit of wiggle room. There's space to experiment. And when I think of the king of swords, I think about people like judges and people in law enforcement who very deeply understand the law and the needs for rules in a society, but can also understand how times change and laws may not apply the same way in a modern world when compared to the time period when they were put into place. That's not to say that he throws all tradition out the window and rules out the window. I think this king appreciates the need for tradition and law and order, but he is not rigid in that. And if necessary, he knows that no law is set in stone. Do you have a story about somebody in your life who you think of as the king of swords or a time where you felt like you were the king of swords? I want to say Miles, but I don't want to be all like sappy. not sappy if it's, if it's something you notice in him he just always has an answer for everything and it's not like a I'm so smart I'm so intelligent I know everything rub it in your face it is a, about wisdom I feel like I can send him any problem or any confusion or any thing that I need to talk through and he's got an answer for it he's got you know, justification for it. And he's humble. I like that. That's the piece that I want to say is that he's humble about it. It's not a know-it-all. It's not a like throwing his intelligence into your face. And in fact, in some cases, he doesn't believe he's intelligent when he truly is. He's a Gemini. And so his card would be the Knight of Swords. But I think that this kind of, he's evolved past that. And he spent a lot of time learning and gaining knowledge so that he can evolve to be the king. Yeah, I think like with the queen, that would be more of that like know-it-all energy. The knight is the person who like thinks they know it all, but they have a lot of stuff they need to figure out. And so they're kind of on this crusade to like share everything they know. And that's kind of what I actually really relate to that because I'm also a Gemini. <laughs> where it's like <laughs> I, I sometimes don't know when I'm wrong and I'll, I'll be like really stubborn about it. And then you kind of get to a place where you're a know-it-all with the queen. And then it sounds like your boyfriend, you know, has like progressed past that, evolved past that. And he's always willing uh, when you mention like being stubborn about your knowledge he can be that way 
but he's always willing to learn and research and find out. And he'll, so like, we'll have a conversation where we're having a disagreement. And then weeks later, he'll come back with, oh, I found this thing that shows that you were right and I was wrong. And so it's just that, that extra level of that extra step of wisdom of admitting when you're wrong and taking in the new knowledge and adjusting your worldview to accept that. Yeah, I think that's what true wisdom is, is being willing to accept when you're wrong and being willing to admit it to people and mm-hmm. open-minded about learning. And so mm-hmm. that's that wiggle room like that I was talking about before with his sword. Yeah. So, similarly, I have a friend who I felt recently in the last couple of weeks, he's been very advisive. What's the word? (laughs) He's had a lot of good advice and he has been very willing to share it in a way that's not like inserting himself into my and Dana's like business or anything. It's very like, this is what I'm observing. And this I think would really help you all. And um, I'm not trying to like say I'm right, or I'm not trying to say that you're wrong. But I just think that this would be a really helpful perspective for you to look at and sharing his own stories to like kind of back up that, you know, the experience that he's had. And so I feel like he's kind of this king of swords character for me, especially in the last couple of weeks. So let's move on to our main topic, which we are talking about five ways to make the most of Aquarius season. And Aquarius season begins sometime around January 20th each year and ends sometime around February 19th. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, these dates change because they are dependent on the position of the sun in relation to the earth. So that's using the tropical astrology system. And in this system, the zodiac sign that determines the zodiac season is not dependent on the actual position of the sun in a specific constellation, but it's mathematically calculated to designate this zodiac wheel around the earth. The zero degrees of Aries always occurs on the spring equinox. The zero degrees of Cancer is always on the summer solstice. The zero degree of Libra is on the fall equinox and the zero degree of Capricorn is on the winter solstice. So these four quadrants are then divided into these three 30 degree sections and that equals 12 sections, 30 degrees, which makes up a 360 degree circle in the sky around the earth. So that means that each year the zodiac seasons change slightly. So you can kind of just use this estimate of around January 20th to February 19th, or you can always look up the exact dates if that's really important to how you practice witchcraft. The overall Aquarius energy is strong and independent and sometimes rebellious, especially against conventional and restrictive attitudes. Aquarius is bright, restless, idealistic, and innovative. This energy dislikes routine and initiates radical change when it feels stuck in a rut. Aquarius is characterized by technology, pacifism, persuasiveness, and inflexible options. So now that you know what you can expect from the energy of Aquarius season, here are five things you can do to make the most of this energy. The first thing you can do is release and let go of unhelpful attachments. Aquarius is the most detached sign of all of the zodiac signs, and this is why it's associated with air and not water. You might expect that the water bearer, which is the sign that represents Aquarius, would make Aquarius a water sign, 
But when you look into the true nature of this sign, you will see that it is completely air. It's all stuck in its own head. And that can lead to this cliche of being full of hot air or head lost in the clouds. But there's also a lot of pragmatic energy surrounding us this month. A water sign would be overburdened by emotions, but the bearer of water understands how to feel emotions, but be guided by logic. So basically what that means is use this season to let go of things that don't serve you. Are there friendships that are not balanced that are weighing you down? Do you have clutter in your home or workspace that is preventing the air and energy to flow freely? Detach! <laughs> when I think about the water bear, what he's doing is wash, using the water to wash things away and to create new fresh starts. And so it's happening, you know, at the beginning of the calendar year, the Gregorian calendar. And it's this time when you can just wash things away, detach from those things that are not serving you, that are weighing you down and making a space for new things to emerge and to be open to like new ideas and things like that. We've just come off of the holiday season. We've just gone through all sorts of family gatherings, friend gatherings, all sorts of things. Very stressful time, very joyful time too. But like, you know, this, the, the start of the new year and like all of these new year resolutions, all of these things that we're thinking about, I want to be better at this. I want to get rid of that. I want to, I, I almost feel like spring cleaning happens, but there's also this like new year Aquarius season cleaning as well. And so it's like, just you know, open up all the doors and windows, you know, Embolic is coming up soon, the traditional first day of spring, like get, get that stagnant energy out of your house, get it moving again. Yeah. Using the, the air coming in your windows to get the stagnant energy out. There's that air sign again. <laughs> the air is pushing <laughs> things out, getting that flowing. Air, air, air. <laughs> yeah. Before we share the other four ways, let's have a word from our sponsor. I just don't understand why my magic spells don't work. Nothing seems to be potent or charged. What am I doing wrong? Have you tried the new and improved Athame 6000? This is not your grandma's ceremonial knife. It's the latest model that all modern witches need for performing spells, indicating the directions, and cutting your way out of the circle safely. But I used my sharpest kitchen knife to cast a circle and cut my herbs. A kitchen knife has the energy of cooking and monotony, and a designated athame is charged purely with the intention of spell work. The athame 6000 is cast from pure metal, has a traditional black handle, and has the ability to absorb 10% more of your personal power than other leading models. Patent pending. Pay no attention to this ad. Any tool that you decide to use for your spell working purposes is a good enough tool for you. And now back to your regularly scheduled programming. The second thing that you can do for Aquarius season is to give yourself permission to be authentic. Have you been giving yourself the space you need to be your true self? You are a unique and beautiful soul and no one can be a better you than you. So don't deprive the world of your individual gifts and personality. Let go of conventionality and structure and the role you think you're supposed to play. This is your life and you're the lead. So you get to decide how the story goes. I was just thinking this recently that 
I know this is probably like very cliche, but I feel like the older I get, the less I care about what other people think about me. And I'm wondering if it's like, if this like realization is kind of coming to fruition because Aquarius season has been approaching because it was just like the last couple of weeks where I was like, you know what? (laughs) I don't really care if I look good in this bathing suit or if I, you know, do if say the right thing or if I'm if my face looks weird while I'm having this conversation or whatever like I'm just gonna be the person that I am I also have been having those thoughts I just had a birthday and there was also a conflict lately with somebody that I don't like at all and I've been feeling pressure to change who I am without a whole lot of reciprocal effort on this other person's part. And it's frustrating me. The things that this person doesn't like about me are the things that are beloved by other people. And there's nothing wrong with the way that I am, which is I trust easily and I wear my emotions on my sleeve and I share a lot of information about myself quickly and easily. And so I'm kind of using this person as that guinea pig to maybe guard my heart a little bit better. And so in that way, I'm still being my authentic self, but I'm picking up a new skill for interacting with people because I can't just cut this person out. He He's going to be around, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's sort of the out of the box thinking that we're going to talk about next is like, just trying something that you're not used to doing in order to like keep the peace almost and still being your authentic self, but you know, trying something new, (laughs) maybe channeling a little bit of Libra in there. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Keeping things harmonious, but also not being a doormat. As you were talking, I was thinking we are the sense and sensibility sisters. You're Mary (laughs) and I'm Eleanor. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Because I'm very like closed off when I meet people and very logical about how I think like my emotions are not emotions. They are logic (laughs) (laughs) and I can logic my way out of any emotion (laughs) off topic, but I guess that's being authentic. It is being authentic. No, and it's, it's a fair observation. And I enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, and that's part of me, like, being more authentic, too, is, like, that was the those moments of, like, kind of going off topic and having ADHD, like, take me somewhere else. (laughs) Those are things that I used to mask or, like, keep to myself. But it's more (laughs) fun to, like, just have those thoughts out loud. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like I've had a lot more interesting conversations with people as I've like allowed myself to just say what's on my mind. Well, and I think it's important to be your authentic self because if you're masking, if you're hiding things away, then you're not sharing the beautiful, wonderful person that you are, dear listener, and also Maggie. Um, because there there are things that you know i'm i'm thinking the most noticeable thing of that people mask is you know hand flapping or you know getting like those visual visual tics and um stims that like 
when I see somebody stim like that, when they're so super excited, it makes me more excited. Like I want to see those things. I want to see genuine, authentic joy and genuine, authentic sadness, because I feel like if I can see those things, then I can reciprocate that feeling better. Right. Yeah. If you're, I, I feel like a lot of times when I'm in conversation with someone, a lot of what I'm trying to do is like listening, but also like trying to figure out the underlying reason behind what somebody is saying. And so mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time like observing while mm-hmm. listening to the conversation. But if, you know, if everybody was more authentic, then we would be able to relate to each other better and understand like where people are coming from. There's a sense too of, I was just talking with my boyfriend about this, that if you are trying to be perfect, if you're thinking I have to know everything, I have to put on the most precise performance so that this person likes me, understands me, gets along with me then that's just another set of armor and it's not your true self and it's not, and it's, it can be detrimental to your own mental health and your ability to know yourself. Yeah. And I think that that's what the balance is that you're going through with your conflict is like, how can you be authentic and also protect yourself? Because you, Mm -hmm. in some cases you do need to have that armor, but in some cases you have to be able to let that armor down. So if everybody was just more authentic and not mean and unsure. (laughs) Exactly. None of us would have to wear armor ever. (laughs) Yes. Just be nice. Just be nice and be yourself. Unless yourself is mean and then go sit in the corner and think about what you did. (laughs) What is the the meme? If you have a choice to be a unicorn, always be a unicorn or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. So the third thing that you can do for Aquarius season is to think outside of the box to solve your problems. So this we sort of alluded to this with the previous thing, but if you find yourself stumped by someone or something during Aquarius season, then try looking at this circumstance or the situation from a different perspective, because Aquarius energy is perfect for innovation and coming up with new ideas. It's that water bearer washing away the old and inviting in new ideas, new inventions, new solutions to any problem that you might be having. So even if you've solved a similar problem in the past and you've used a tried and true method, Aquarius season is about giving yourself the freedom to look for unconventional approaches. We also kind of talked about this in Capricorn season where that fishtail allows the goat to climb the mountain, but to kind of swim and go with the flow. So I feel like there's some of that energy being pulled into the start of this Aquarius season that, you know, you still go along that path, but allow yourself to have some creativity and some flexibility with how you solve your problems and how to get to the next place. Yeah. And with Capricorn season, Aquarius comes after that. And Capricorn is, we've talked about the planning and the, you know, figuring out how you're going to climb the mountain. And like you've said, you know, you're, cha- you're 
being open to changing the plan and doing something different, looking at the plan from different directions, maybe flying a plane over the mountain and looking at it from above or digging up from below the mountain and seeing what you find inside. So that's what Aquarius gives you the freedom to, to do because there's the um, earth energy of Capricorn that's like, you know, the tried and true traditional stuff. And Aquarius is emerging out of that to give you a, a, a different perspective, I guess, another, a bigger world. What's the, a big, a big picture perspective of the plan that you've set in motion. I love me a bell curve. I, mm-hmm. I talk about the bell curve of the seasons a lot. I think there's a bell curve as we start the new Zodiac seasons, like, you know, on January 20th, we're not, we aren't halting Capricorn. You know, it's Capricorn's not gone. It's not, you know, we're not shutting a door on it. That energy is continuing to flow until, you know, right around February 1st, where we're at the height of the Aquarius season, you know, so we still have this tapering off of that energy. So pull that, pull whatever energy from the previous. And then also at, at that midpoint of Aquarius season, you know, start, start bringing in some of the Pisces energy as well. So like every, everything's just a mixed bag of all sorts of fun goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the, it's the decants, right? Is that who say them? Yeah. There's yeah. the three different, and that, and that's part of what we talk about with the um, tarot cards. They mark the decants. So at the beginning, there's a card that's somewhat related to both Aquarius and Capricorn. And at the end, there's a card that's somewhat related to both Pisces and Aquarius. And then in the middle, there's these three tarot cards that kind of represent the growth of Aquarius, the peak of Aquarius, and then the decline into Pisces. It all comes together. (laughs) It does. (laughs) With the conflict that I've mentioned, the, the root issue is that I have to support somebody that I love, even though I don't like this particular person they love this person and so the the problem is not that i have to be best friends with this person the problem is that i have to be there for the person that i love if that made sense without using names and giving away too much <laughs> <laughs> i'm having to think outside the box for ways to be around and civil but also not be everything that I am usually. So the fourth way that you can make the most of Aquarius season is to be charitable with your time and your money. The sign seeks the greater good and the betterment of humankind. If you make a yearly charitable donation to a cause that you care about, consider making it during this season, especially while the new moon is in Aquarius. I just looked at my calendar. The new moon is in Aquarius on Imbolix. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. I hadn't looked at that yet. Definitely consider making that charitable donation on Imbolic. I feel like we talk a lot about, you know, this kind of stuff, giving back, trying to make the world a better place, using our power for doing good for others. And so we've talked about it during Libra season in particular because of the like justice aspect of Libra. And when it comes to Aquarius, the the energy is more about just like mankind and the betterment, like the greater good, you know, as Erica said. So it's like, it's that big picture perspective on the world and doing the best that you can, doing the most that you can for the greatest number of people, which sounds sort of like Albus Dumbledore and Gellert Grindelwald, but (laughs) 
in a good way. <laughs> and the last way to make the most of Aquarius season is to reconnect with the people that you care about. Aquarius is a strange energy and it finds it easiest to connect with a group of people rather than one-on-one -on -one, or even with yourself. So you may feel that energy during Aquarius season that being part of a group, being part of a big number of people is more acceptable than being alone or being with like one-on-one, -on -one, like just a friend. So this is a really good time of the year to join a new community group, to expand your friend circle, to host a get together or to attend one that's hosted by someone else, especially if there is a common goal between all the people who are involved. Hey, guess what? What? I just started a brand new D&D campaign. Yay! So it's a, the same group that I was playing my other game with, Gloomhaven, um, but we've added a new member and we might be adding an additional other member. Hooray, Aquarius. Perfect timing. Right. Must have yeah. been Aquarius's influence. Well, we were really excited because we we're getting to the end of Gloomhaven. The DM has been wanting to play this particular campaign since before COVID started, but that's all been put on hold. So we only had like two campaign or two missions left in Gloomhaven. And so last, no, two Sundays ago, right after New Year's, the second, we had an all-day marathon to finish Gloomhaven. And then uh, last Sunday, the 9th, we started up our campaign and spent all day making characters and started the missions and it was really fun and I'm super excited. That's awesome. And I like, I wait, the, my, all of our listeners will appreciate this. I am playing an elf, a wood elf druid who, whose main magic is herbs and plants. Perfect. So you're <laughs> playing yourself. I am. That's exactly right. <laughs> And her name is Gwendolyn. Ah, oh, perfect. <laughs> so it's interesting that you brought up the that you've wanted to do this since before COVID began, because I feel like this it, this Aquarius season is kind of an invitation to like reconnect um, with people that we might have lost touch beca with because of COVID. That you mm -hmm. maybe we're not like getting together in person or you know going to huge concerts or things like that, but you know, reconnecting with someone that you lost touch with. I actually reconnected with a friend of mine who I'd kind of lost touch with recently as well. It wasn't necessarily because of COVID that we lost touch, but we had an invitation to like reconnect. And I feel that's happened with several people actually recently that there's like people from my past who something brought us back together recently. I think it's particularly potent what you alluded to um, with this Aquarius season because we've been so isolated for two years, you know? And so I, I'm wondering if those situations and circumstances are happening and, and you're taking advantage of reconnecting because you felt so isolated. Yeah. Like, it, or, or your friend reaching out because they've been feeling so isolated. It might have come up in a normal year and you might've ignored it. But this potent energy of reconnection because of COVID is what is kind of spurring us on. At the beginning, it was like being by myself is actually my natural habitat. I 
prefer my own company over most other people. But so the like early days of COVID, I was like, this is heaven. (laughs) This is my (laughs) paradise because I had like a ready-made excuse for why I had to break plans. But yeah, after two years of it, it's become, you know, not as comfy as it was at the beginning. It feels kind of hard to be alone all the time. And especially when Dana's out of town, he's home now, but makes the isolation even harder. So I think you're right that it's like the Aquarius like reconnection is much more potent after this time of isolation. Like you said, I would continue to caution large gatherings until we kind of know what's on the horizon with Omicron and everything. But, you know, use your best judgment and make choices that are right for you. Yeah. Well, and and all these things have been like just text conversations or phone calls, too. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that is a way to reconnect with people is digitally or, you know, Zoom calls and that kind of stuff still apply. (laughs) That's the song that plays before I transition. This episode is brought to you by Valerian. So I will start by telling you about the medicinal properties, and then Maggie will share the magical properties. It grows as a big, bushy, kind of weedy looking plant, very similar to, it's got like a cluster of flowers like a yarrow does, and they're bright purple, and they're beautiful, and they're teeny tiny little small babies, and I love them. The Latin name is Valeriana officinalis. There are also, there are a bunch of types though. So you'll see Valeriana SPP and that SPP means like there's a ton of them. So they all have the same effect. Um, Officinalis is the one with the bright purple flowers. One thing that I think is really fun and cool about Valerian root is that it has ties to a beloved children's tale. It is, I thought that the Pied Piper used Valerian to lure the rats out of Hamlin. It can be used as a rat bait and a um, rat trap because it has, it's almost a catnip-like effect on rats, Um, like catnip is on on cats. So that's just a fun little tidbit that I like about Valerian. Also, some more history about it is that it was used in World War I to help soldiers treat some shell shock, and it was given to civilians to relieve stress. It is the most commonly used non-prescription sedative used in Europe, and in Germany, it's more likely recommended than even Xanax. So valerian is a, has huge sedative properties, um, anti-anxiety it's a nervine, it helps to relax the muscles and increase blood flow. It doesn't put you to sleep. Well, it does, but it doesn't. It does put you to sleep. <laughs> but it can, during the day, it can help improve concentration and memory. So it helps to like stimulate during the day, but it can help put you to sleep at night. So it's just got this kind of like push me, pull you effect. I have experienced that. Sometimes if I take the Larian root before bed, to help me sleep. If I miss the moment of like pulling me to sleep, then it'll keep me awake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like a moment. And if you miss it, then you're screwed. <laughs> Doomed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's, it's, it's interesting that it has that different effect 
based on the time of day. So usually we use the root or the rhizome. It's also an astringent and can help to tone. So it's a tonic and it does have some antibacterial qualities to it, but that's not what it's mainly known for. It's mostly known for its um, nervine effects on aggressiveness and anxiety and depression and, you know, nervous breakdown and mental illness. It's very much a a brain plant. Some cautions for it is that you don't want to use it for more than three weeks of in a row. All those small nightly doses are typically fine, but you don't want to use it heavily for more than three weeks. It's not indicated for children or during pregnancy. So avoid it for those cases. In terms of depression, it's not great for long-term care. If you are experiencing chronic depression where you feel like you need to be taking medication all the time, valerian root is not the way to go. I would talk to your doctor about a different kind of pharmaceutical medication in those cases, but in acute senses of depression, like with grief or with any kind of traumatic event where it's kind of a, the depression comes and goes, it's great for those kind of cases. It's also really good for nausea and headache, but if you take it in large doses, it can induce nausea and headache. So just be cautious with how much you're using it and how often you're using it. Valerian is a passive herb that corresponds with Uranus. And if you don't use, if you only work with the classical planets, then Saturn, it is a fire and an air herb. And it obviously corresponds with Aquarius as well. One of the most common uses for Valerian is for dream magic. And I think that's kind of what Eric was that we were talking about with the sleeping that it helps you sleep, but it also keeps you awake. And I think that it, that's why it's used in dream magic because it gives you, it helps you with lucid dreaming and to like be really aware of what you're dreaming about while sleeping. So it is kind of a wakeful sleep. And then it's also used in spells for harmony and reconciliation. So if you have it in your room or in your home somewhere, then it can help to settle arguments or to prevent arguments from coming up between a couple. You can burn it to help calm your emotions, especially in the heat of an argument, and you can use it to help turn a bad situation around so that you can see the solution to a situation or to a problem that you're having. So again, that all like fits really well with the Aquarius energy that we are talking about. Another use for Valerian Root in magic is for spells related to helping you to stop feel guilty about something, whether you are the guilty party or not, helping to stop with your negative self-talk and to keep to make sure that you're more compassionate with yourself, to be more accepting of yourself. Another Aquarius tenant. It can be used for protection spells, so add it to a charm bag, use it to purify a space by burning the root and add it to your baths for protection as well. Valerian can be used for animal magic. It is most beloved by cats, but you can use it to evoke animal spirits, especially animals that live in the forest or any other animal that you want to talk to or invite into your space. And if you grind up valerian root, you can use it as a substitution for graveyard dirt in any spell that calls for graveyard dirt. Next week, we will be talking about the star card, which is another major arcana card in the tarot. This card is about inspiration, ideal love, 
truth, the realization of your dreams, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, knowing that things are going to work out, and being your true authentic self. So Erica and I will be looking for moments where we notice the star card in our daily lives. And if you have a story about the star, please send us a voicemail to we listen at talkwitchcraft.com. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 055. Join us next week when we talk about celebrating in book. Make sure that you are subscribed so that you are notified about each new episode. And to help other witches find the show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Mumbles and Things and join us in the Mumble Academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folk. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Weird. So the at-home like protection... Oh no, it's car shopping. At home car shopping. Mm-hmm. Their their logo is spelled A T H and then a little house for the O M E. But if you look at that like and view the rooftop as an A, yeah. at home spells Athame. So it's pulling up. <laughs> we're, we're pilling it. <laughs> I'm getting pilled off of the logo. <laughs>